If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, one. Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Not the normal location, not the studio, but rather our humble abodes. It is great to have you on board. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching on War Chant TV. Uh, it's a precursor to a busy, busy stretch of shows that you'll be catching. Now, we'll be in studio tomorrow for some of the headlines, but probably right back here on Wednesday as we get geared up for national, well, for the early signing day period and something we get to celebrate and be a part of for the first time really ever since this whole thing got moved and started the way that it has. Florida State has a chance to benefit. Man, I can't get us to Wednesday fast enough, Tom. Normally, I'm right here right now. My feet are on the ground. I'm ready to talk about this, this today. But you know what? I can't wait till Wednesday because we've got all day long, basically, on War Chant TV. You're going to want to tune in. I believe, Tom, we start at like 8 a.m., something like that. Um, 8 a.m., you'll be able to hear uh, the latest about where the kids are going. Uh, yay or nay on the verbals coming through with a uh, signed document saying they're ready to roll. Interactive chat, look-ins at signing ceremonies. We'll have all of that. Uh, seven hours of live coverage and analysis. Uh, it begins, again, 8 a.m. Uh, we thank our friends at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits for sponsoring the event. And uh, it will get, we'll go, as we said before, 8 a.m., right up to the live version here of the Jeff Cameron Show. By the way, we are live right now. This is not taped. We are live. Uh, if you're listening on 93.3, even though we're here at our house, we are live. And we're live if you're watching on Warchan TV. But uh, that'll be fun to react as we come on the air at 1 o'clock. 
for the Jeff Cameron show. Uh, anyhow, to kind of react to what we hope are the successes uh, for this class. I, w- I, I think it's going to be a very, very productive day for this coaching staff. It looks like things are moving uh, towards a successful signing day on Wednesday. Now, you're not going to get, we don't suspect, 100% of the guys that you wanted to get. But I think that you're going to get the overwhelming majority of those that have verbaled already, including some of the biggest names in this class, and that includes Travis Hunter. Uh, so it's important that obviously Florida State, the guys at the top of this class, uh, are able to you know sign on the line, which is dotted, as we like to say, and you carry over that momentum that you had as you got their verbals and this belief in the staff, this belief that this thing is moving in the right direction is only bolstered on the day in which they sign. So I think that's going to happen, and then what will end up happening from there is we'll transfer and turn our attention, of course, to the transfer portal because – not all these needs are going to be filled in the signing class. And certainly even the ones that are, at least in terms of numbers and areas of positions of need and or talent upgrades and raising the floor that we talk about all the time, those are not all going to be guys that come in and change your fortunes in year one, just change what's possible in two and three years down the road. So you're going to turn your attention to that transfer portal. But in the interim, it's a big time for Florida State. and There's a lot of energy. You sense it on the boards. I sense it. On Twitter and email, Florida State fans are anxious, and that means they're worried. Florida State fans, understandably, are worried. Nothing's gone right for us on the football field in some time, at least not sustained success. So I get it. If you're nervous, you're nervous because there's a possibility that we don't have to suck in the near future and that we don't have to continue to be disappointed, that we can embrace success, including yeses from kids who help us achieve that success, Coming up this Wednesday. So I wanted to hit right out the box as we started today's show. A reminder, like and subscribe, follow, be watching closely, listening to the show today, Seminole headlines tomorrow, and then obviously all day long, National Signing Day on Wednesday, uh, 8 a.m., right through the Jeff Cameron Show. And really, it doesn't stop there. We'll be able to hear from the coaches when Coach Norvell has his press conference. Uh, From that point forward, we expect to have content from Coach Norvell, whether that's an interview with Iris Chaffel, maybe an interview with me here on the Jeff Cameron Show. Still working out the timing with all that stuff. But we do effort, certainly, to bring you the latest and the best information possible uh, on signing day and really throughout all the week because this is an exciting week. This is the week where a lot of people get a lot of stuff done, but it's probably the last week they get anything done. People are already starting to sneak peek ahead to that vacation. I got you, but there's stuff to be done here. There's work to be done here. Hey, by the way, Tom, there's even a basketball game on Wednesday that nobody cares about. Not after that loss to South Carolina over the weekend, which, oh, by the way, I really felt bad for Malik Osborne because he had been really the only consistent player we had the whole game. I watched that game begrudgingly because, you know, Tom, it's fair to say it for now. It doesn't mean it's going to be this way at the end of the year. It's fair to say that Florida State stinks. Florida State stinks in basketball right now. It is hard to watch. You got a lot of guys who are very confused. They don't get out in transition whatsoever. It's something that is really the strength of the team if they could utilize their athleticism. They don't have a lot going on in the middle right now. They don't really have an identity. We've seen teams in the past struggle like this and then turn it around. But, boy, I have to admit, that ding-ding is emboldened. That ding-ding is not just peeking his head from around the Capitol. He's, uh, he's kind of standing, standing out front asking for conversations and cigarettes. 
Yeah, well, I thought by about 12.30 yesterday that we had figured something out. You know, it looked like uh, offensively they'd found some rhythm. Uh, Naheem McLeod had played, and he looked like he brought an element that we were sorely missing, which was a little bit of physicality down low, but then it all went to pieces. I mean, we had 30 points pretty early on in that game, and it took forever to get to 50. And uh, obviously we didn't do enough yesterday there to, to win. But, you know, as you were unpacking all the details um, – Unfortunately, I would like to be not thinking about FSU basketball because they're set it and forget it and they're winning a bunch. But it's just it's hard to focus on that program right now because of how critical the next 72 hours are for the football program. Nothing's ever simple. Dan Lanning was hired by Oregon over the weekend, and Dan Lanning does have ties to our own Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator here at Florida State. So we are waiting on that news and efforting to find the news of should he stay, should he go, where is he going to choose to be next season because that might give you some 11th hour concerns for a recruit or two. Don't mean to be an alarmist if you go to warchant.com and you keep up with all the latest updates on what recruits would be potentially impacted by a Kenny Dillingham departure. It doesn't sound like very many, maybe literally a singular one or maybe a couple of recruits, but you still don't want this, this shuffling to be done right at the last moment because last week, the weekend before, that's for coaching changes, not this past weekend of Army-Navy. So, we're keeping an eye on that, and then over the next 72 hours, I mean, I'm just I'm going to be living on my computer just like everybody else is. We're just going to be on the content creation side. Thank you very much for being on the consumer side, but we're going to have you covered. We just had a staff meeting today that was 10 people strong, yeah. and we went over every detail of what we're going to be doing over the next few days. So if you haven't already, as Jeff said, hit that subscribe button because you'll be alerted every time we bring you more signing day content. It's going to be a bumpy few days, but hopefully in, in, in the grand scheme, it's going to be uh, what we expect, which is a top 10 to top 15 class. Yeah, top 15 class, I think for sure. And that's that's really what I'm excited about. And also, um, to your point about whether or not Florida State loses out on an opportunity to bring in a guy or a couple of guys, maybe a transfer guy like Micah Pittman, for example, uh, may end up deciding actually to go back and go stay at Oregon. Who knows? Because he's uh, kind of tied to Kenny Dillingham. They have a real close relationship. My thoughts real quick on, on Dillingham. I thought he did a good job. Uh, a lot of people don't. I thought he did a good job, uh, given the fact that Florida State's so limited uh, in so many areas. And and I'm not going to make this another uh, litigation to the quarterback position and all that stuff that we do on a regular basis. But I think most people see that he's still got a long way to go as a passer consistently. We don't block it up well in the drop back game. and We don't have receivers. So Dillingham was so limited in what he could do. Um, not, don't have a dynamic uh, back, really. You've got solid backs, but nobody who's dynamic. Um, and you don't have a great tight end, uh, even though you have 40 of them, or at least you did. So there were a lot of problems that were presented week in and week out. I thought he schemed enough things open. That There's the complimentary stuff that I'll say about Kenny Dillingham. I will also say this. If he leaves, he leaves. That's fine. Uh, this is this is Mike Norvell's offense. He'll find somebody that uh, is agreeable. He's done a real good job in his career of uh, when guys leave, finding their replacement. Seems to always have on deck somebody in mind, somebody that he's looked at. And if you want to talk big picture here, if he leaves, and let's say he does, and if Dillingham leaves, I don't begrudge him this because if it's an opportunity to go and have total autonomy over an offense that is yours, that you don't share, uh, I get it. I mean, Oregon's a good place. It's a good school. He's going to be paid well, and he gets the chance to bolster the resume as, as the guy calling the plays. Right now, I think everybody knows 
these are shared ideas, and, and there are stretches of games where Norvell is taking control of the play calling. So he might want to get out from under that and have a chance to shine on his own, and I don't begrudge him that if he does. But let's look big picture here because it has long been thought within that group, Tom, that down the line, Alex Atkins is is in line to be an offensive coordinator, is a play caller, is a really buttoned-up great coach, and he is going – people are going to come after him. They're going to come after him. So let's say – Let's say, just for you know, the immediacy of all this, Dillingham leaves and Mike elevates him to OC as well as offensive, you know, he's offensive line coach and co-OC or whatever he might be, and that keeps him around longer. You and I have talked about this before. That's a big deal. I care much more about holding on to Atkins. Uh, I can only imagine what Atkins would do if he had uh, talent up front and, and guys that weren't incessantly injured. Uh, but he sees the big picture, and I'd rather keep him long-term than I would Kenny Dillingham. So I'll be all right with it if it happens. Yeah, agreed, if that's the choice that you have to make. Now, there might be enough money and enough or, or a lack of egos to the point that everybody can coexist in that offensive room and, and nothing is you know worried. You don't have to get worried about anything. Uh, but we know how this usually goes when you're operating as a positive football program, not one that's losing seven, eight games a year. Uh, then you're going to get coaches plucked, and they're going to get better opportunities. They're going to get opportunities like Kenny does for that autonomy. I, I don't necessarily count this as a direct Mike Norvell coach gets promoted again type opportunity because Dan Lanning is a friend. Now, if he went outside the Mike Norvell tree, then maybe it would be more of like a legitimate upgrade slash, wow, look at that. We're really doing the right thing here. I think this is all about connections. And that's where I think it's also important that – I don't think there's any backstabbing going on in this particular process. Yeah. Look, Dan Lanning was instrumental in getting Jermaine Johnson to come to Tallahassee. It's an assist that we got from the coach of Georgia saying, hey, here's a, here's a coach that you can trust. Somebody I know I can vouch for personally, Jermaine. If you want more playing time, go see my guy Mike. At least talk to Mike Norvell. And that's what happened. The call happened, and Jermaine was completely convinced. He didn't think Florida State was much of anything until he heard the recommendation. So, I think this is going to be a friendly setting as much as these contract negotiations can go where it's not going to be a bidding war. I don't think there's going to be an 11th hour. I'm stealing this guy from you. I don't think Kenny's going to burn a bridge with Mike on the way out. So just in the grand scheme of things, sometimes like the Jeremy Pruitt departure way back when, maybe Jimbo Fisher got surprised and he was on a hunting trip and he had no idea that Perhaps. Jeremy Pruitt was going. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, just a, a fictional scenario. This is not that. So I, I think when it when you're looking at the implications for the recruiting class, I don't think it, it makes us uh, it puts us in a critical place in a bad place. No, it, it might be an unfortunate place, but in in the long term vision of the program, Alex Atkins knows what he's doing. He's got offensive coordinator experience. If there are gaps in his knowledge, you have Mike Norvell as the ultimate check and balance to make sure you're going where you need to go. But we need an offensive line coach who's going to make us better at the position. So if you're talking about ultimate value of coaches not named Mike Norvell to the offense, yeah, for me, Alex Atkins is the most valuable not named Mike Norvell. There's no doubt. Yeah, I, I think I was most concerned. Um, I would be more concerned if we were losing him. So, uh, yeah, and and I wish Kenny Dillingham well. We'll see. Maybe we see him again down the line. If, in fact, he's leaving, we don't know that to be the case. He was in the building this morning. Who knows? He, he may or may not uh, be leaving. But if he does, I know every little thing right now serves as an agitator or something to be concerned about or something that you think facilitates a drop-off in expectations expectations and that's just because we've been burned time and again and we're so we, we're so worried about not being able to take that step I don't think this is that if he leaves he leaves and I'm not saying that callously I will tell you this Kenny Dillingham has a lot 
of maturing to do. Uh, you know, I, I, I have felt like his opportunities with the press did not did not put him in a good light for much of this year. I think he's got rabbit ears. I think he hears a lot and reads a lot. I think it's uh, it's a chance for him to grow up a little bit more and, and 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 learn from that. This is not a harsh criticism of him because I think he did a good job while he was here. I just think that, quite honestly, he's he's so young. Um, I think you become a more mature staff if if you go elsewhere from there. So I'm I'm all right with it. I'm all right with it if it happens. I'm also all right if he stays um, because again I I, I credit him. We're doing a good job. And by the way, my interactions with him have always been really good. So this is not any, in any way personal or anything. It's just an honest, objective view, at least as I see it, about who he is as a coordinator and um, and, and where he needs to go to uh, in terms of uh, maturity. I mean, you really can't be worried about people's uh, thoughts on on your job, on whether or not uh, – and I, I don't mean me. I mean, I'm talking about the fans. I think he hears the fans. And so it, it always interests me to hear that come out in press conferences. Yeah, that's something that Jimbo didn't even learn by before he left was to you know put that down. That That's not of your concern. If you're doing your job, everybody's going to sing your praises. If you're losing, then everybody's going to hate you. That's just the nature of that's it. That's the way that's it works, yeah. Yeah, that's why you're paid as much as you are. But, yeah, he's 31, uh, one of the rare times in my life I've been able to say that coach is younger than me. Uh, they're going to get more. I'm going to have it's more. going to happen a lot more frequently, Tom. <laughs> as, as I get older. But he shows that. I mean, I was the same way in my late 20s, early 30s, where you couldn't tell me anything. And I get that part of it. But if he stays, again, I think it's it's worth qualifying here and reiterating that if he stays, good, good. I'm glad he does. But if he goes and that keeps Atkins in the fold for a longer period of time because there's a ceiling here and the offensive coordinator's role, or at least that title, is not available to Alex Atkins, and so therefore he would be pushed elsewhere, I think that's more damaging to the program in the next two to five years. So either way, it's a win for Florida State. Um, but when it comes to certain targets, like a Micah Pittman or a Kevin Coleman, that news, I think those are the two guys we would circle. Receivers, which we need terribly, uh, but those are the two guys that, that we would look at for news if Kenny does indeed decide to go the way of Oregon. But I fully expect that the communication level across all parties today is going to be about as transparent as it possibly can be outside of the agent negotiation process. So it sounds like Marvin Jones Jr. There was a very good in-home visit uh, from Florida State uh, with him, and I, I find all of this fascinating. I'm not so sure that Marvin Jones Jr. ends up at Florida State. Unfortunately, it's awfully hard to come overcome the Alabama situation, but who knows? It's not uh, it's not off the table. It's something that's not happening. We'll go through and kind of look at the weekend what that was. It was an important weekend for Florida State as it pertains to players and targets and verbal commits. And then I would also note that Amari Gaynor said he's coming back uh, for this next year. I, You know what? Um, people might say, well, where was he going? I, I might be one of them. Uh, but bottom line is uh, it's good to hear that he's going to come back because he does some things well, and Lord knows we don't have linebackers. So, um, you know, you, you need him for depth purposes. Uh, is he a game-changing linebacker? No. Does he provide some uh, aspects uh, to help you? Yes, he does do that. Yeah, and I thought as the season went along, he tackled better and better. And usually if you're tackling well, that means you're in good position to tackle and you're, t and you're taking on your coaching. You know, it, it might be that he's a long-term project player and maybe the final year you say, oh, the light bulb clicked on. Well, look at that. So you get another at bat with Amari Gaynor this season. Uh, we'll see. But, yeah, all in all, it's been a really busy weekend. And um, that's I guess that's going to be the new norm this time of year unless the NCAA changes some of the rules. And maybe they push back signing day to where it originally was or, or something after New Year's. Yeah, yeah. You're just going to have to assume that when the regular season is over, before you play in a bowl game, which I'm sure we're going to next year, I'm just sure of it, uh, you're going to have to deal with signing day, transfer portal, coaching changes, 
uh, guys staying, declaring for the draft at, at, a, at a big level or transferring out. It's um, it's always going to be a mess to be in the middle to beginning portion of December from here on out uh, until they change the rules. If you watched uh, Mario Cristobal's interview over the weekend on College Game Day, he was asked specifically about the timing of all of this and whether or not he would like to see a rule put in place to where these kinds of changes for coaches could be done at a different time as to not affect the end of regular seasons, the postseason, the bowl games, all of that stuff. And he said that that he did. He, he would like to see that put into play. Until that's done, then there are no choices you have to negotiate when you negotiate and you have to do what you have to do but he said in essence he inferred that uh, most coaches agree that there should be something put in place and we keep getting back to this all the time about the movement about the signing periods about the nil deals about what's happening with coaching about the attention being taken off the field and everything happening you know away from the big games the bowl games the conference championship games the playoff games and instead hyper vigilantly focused on the coaches and player transfers and NIL and all that stuff. Well, this gets back to something we've talked about for a very long time, and that college football needs a czar of college football. The NCAA doesn't really matter anymore. they almost obsolete. You've got to get some sort of regulatory committee that can decide that this, the rules are the rules for everybody, that we are all in agreement on this. Some states have different NIL rules than others that prohibit them, like Florida, for example, as opposed to, say, Alabama or other states, from doing certain things that, lend themselves to be an advantage in those places. So that's frustrating. We've got to get a handle on this right now. It just continues to feel like the wild, wild West people coming and going kids deciding, you know, I'm again, we wanted kids to make a little bit more money. We wanted kids to be able to come and go the way coaches do, but we've got to figure out a regulatory board by which all things are agreed upon throughout college football, when it happens, how it happens and the method in which it happens. Yeah. I'd say I totally agree on every point there that there needs to be regulation we're, we're hitting the other goalposts now rapidly like we've gone from way too restrictive to what the hell is this but until that time as i understand it according to the recruiting stories behind the scenes marvin jones jr is very moved by alabama's nil presentation yes i am speaking directly to you out there if you're a part of the rising spear program or maybe not Make an NIL presentation that he can't refuse over the next couple of days. I know you can do it because right now there are not those regulations. So let's go get them. Well, I can tell you from my sources that they have presented a very enticing NIL situation for Marvin Jones Jr. And he is one of the guys that they have really focused in on and tried to rival that of what Alabama is offering. But I will also tell you, or a state at the end of the day is never going to win an NIL battle with Alabama. Now they may do enough to offset the enticement of an NIL deal at Alabama. They may do enough for a kid who may have been leaning towards an historically relevant in his family location anyhow. So it's not, it's not 1 million or nothing, but as opposed to 1 million or maybe we've got 400 K for you. And you get to play where your dad shined, and you get to be a knoll, and you can start right away, and you can do all those things. Florida State has become much more buttoned up, as we pointed out over the last week. And that's exciting, but there are some places you are not going to be able to compete with. And until they put a capper on that, it's, you know, look, it's like teams who have more cap space than others. Uh, what are you going to do? Hey, you everybody, do? It's, it's Marvin Jones Jr. for Spanx. Remember, <laughs> use yeah. code MJJ.
at yeah. the checkout yeah. to get 10% yeah. off your order of specs. It would be nice. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. We'll be back in a moment. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Young men spend a lot of time looking down at the ground, looking down. Put it aside. Not all bad. That's right. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there on Friday. <laughs> oh man, we've got we got parties all week, Tom. Got, yeah. got a party tomorrow for 93.3. Our brothers and sisters here at uh, Real Talk Radio, and then we got another one on Friday. Man, yeah. I'm just hoping that uh, I'm not under the weather for that. That's why we're at home today, people. I appreciate uh, Mr. Cameron deciding that it was okay to be at the house because uh, I don't want to get you sick on a week of parties. My, my wife's been down for the count. Something's going around town these days. Well, I don't have time to be sick, so you made a good decision. Um, I'm too busy. Uh, it's about me, Tom. And <laughs> I've got people that I've got to buy presents for. i got to finish up some things here real quickly around the house that I'm almost done with that I'll finish up today. I've got a, at the end of the week after this whole weekend goes by, and then we do that. By the way, you know how close we are to the bowling tournament? So when do you want to – let's get this out there right now. Uh, have we filled all the lanes, or do we have a couple left? we got a couple left. We've got okay. a couple left. So let's present it. Go ahead, Matthew, and pop up. Uh, there it is. My man's on top of it already. He's the guy doing the hard work right now uh, back in the studio is Matthew, uh, making sure that we sound okay, go out over the airwaves well, and also present here on WarChant TV. But there you see, if you're watching on the screen, if you're not, I'll get it back to you really quickly. JCS Annual Holiday Bowling Tournament, it is one week from today. Uh, that is 7 p.m. District 850. We still have a couple of lanes available for teams of four. Uh, this brought to you by our friends at Gordo's and, of course, in association with and uh, a joint production, if you will, the Guardian Ad Litem for Children. Uh, this is something I absolutely adore. We talk about it a lot. If you're new to the program and you're wondering if it's something you should participate in, it, it absolutely is. It's so rewarding. And you're helping out kids who really, frankly, wouldn't get to experience much for Christmas, if anything at all, without your help. So if you want, you can bring by two unwrapped gifts, new, but unwrapped. You go ahead and you, 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 put them, you, you bring them to the District 850 location where they have a tree. They know you're coming. They, they, they know the Jeff Cameron Show Holiday Bowling Tournament is one week from today, and they'll save it there. Gift cards, we strongly encourage gift cards as well. A lot of these kids are a little bit older. And that gives them the choice to, you know, maybe utilize that gift card wherever and, and, and pick out something that they want. So toys and gift cards. Don't forget, boys and girls, uh, the Guardian Ad Litem helps both, of course. And so uh, one more time, sign up by emailing radio at warchant.com. If you and three other uh, folks want to be on a team, you sign up by emailing radio at warchant.com, the only Catch is that uh, we ask that you can be available, obviously, on the day of the event, which is one week from today at 7 o'clock to bowl, and that you can uh, contribute to uh, the collection to help out these kids. That is radio at warchant.com with your full team of four. Use the subject 
JCS Bowling in the email. We do not accept this year any single-player entries. We've done that in the past. Can't do it this year. Just something to note. JCS Bowling is the subject matter. And again, you're sending that email to radio at warchant.com. One final thing on this. If you can't play, can't participate, but want to help out, you still can. In fact, tons of people do. I get it, man. It's a busy week. A lot of people are having holiday parties. A lot of people next week are leaving town to go visit their loved ones and spend Christmas with them. If, but you still want to help out. You absolutely can. Just swing your gift by uh, District 850. And if you have to, uh, I mean, I, there are folks that live in other states and they want to know how they can help out. Uh, Tom, I'm, I'm sure maybe tomorrow or, or Wednesday we can give them just an address to send something to, uh, to to help out as well. If you want to send it via mail, if that's if that's you feel better about that, then then we'll we'll let you know somewhere else you can send. But if you're in town, certainly swing on by District 850 and drop off your gift, even if you're not going to be part of the bowling event. Okay, I got that out there. But it's important to me, and I wanted to make sure that I got it out there. I'm looking forward to the event next week. I haven't bowled since the last tournament, which was two years ago now, because we we had to skip last year for COVID reasons. Um, what are we setting the number at? Are, are we watering it down a little bit because of that? Because normally, no, I- no, no, we have standards, Tom. I don't care if you haven't played in three years, five years, one year. You can bowl a 140. You can. That's the low standard that we throw out there. We've got to at least hit that. And we have three cracks at it. There'll be three games. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll beat we'll beat 140. One time. Uh, yeah, One time. Easily, easily, easily. Uh so really quickly, uh I, I just I feel the need and we'll circle back on the weekend that was with some recruits and some good news. This basketball team cannot deal with a matchup zone. If teams go to some sort of matchup zone, we're done. You're noticing a trend here that when it happens, the opponent goes on a magnificent run. Uh it, it happened previous with Syracuse. And it happened uh, again on uh, Sunday in which um, I believe it was a 21-6 to run in the second half. Uh, it, they also went on a 12-3 to run to end the first half when they went to it. Uh, once Coach Martin realized, oh, they don't really know what to do with this. Uh, I, I, I suggest if I'm a team, I come out in it from here on out until Florida State proves they can do something with it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if, if, if teams do. But until Florida State proves that they can – uh, do something with that, then they're going to c- continue to see it and they're going to lose games. You got some guys right now, Tom, we're not playing with any degree of confidence. Got some guys right now who feel like they're not real certain of their role. And you got some guys right now who are playing beneath themselves, uh, Anthony Polite, for example. But I, I would also tell you, um, <laughs> and again, I'm, you know, I sound like, well, Tough Love Cameron is done with a certain guy. This is no longer Tough Love. I, I don't need to see him out there anymore. And his name is Wyatt Wilkes. I don't know what he provides you. He doesn't defend. These days he can't shoot or chooses not to. And when he does, he misses. So I don't know what, what good he is on the floor right now. That is not an attack on him as a human being. It's just that he's not, he doesn't, uh, he's useless. Yeah, I, I think there are probably five to seven times minimum a game where we've got a guy on offense where I say, where the hell are you going with the ball? What are you doing? Why are you putting it on the deck? Why are you trying to drive? What do you think you're going to accomplish? And it's multiple players. Maybe one you just mentioned is is one of those guys. Uh, but there are multiple players who think that they can cross you over like Trent Forrest could and, and finish around the rim, and they just can't. It's not part of their game. I think that speaks to the laundry list of, of problems that, that you've cited, which is it starts with confidence. It starts with not knowing where to go with the basketball or, or the game is moving too fast for you when you see a defense that you don't like. 
Um, and it's guys probably pressing to do too much. It's a combination of all those things. They all work in concert with one another. I don't know how we're going to get out of it this year because any coach worth his uh, salt or whatever is going to run his own look at us and force us to shoot our way out of it or to just execute in the half court to beat it. Um, I thought with McLeod in the first half playing and, and providing us a little bit more muscle down low, even though he's not exactly Bernard James in terms of density, he's a bigger body than, say, John Butler certainly is. I thought we'd see him more in the second half. We didn't. Um, it, there's just there's a lot to there's a lot to sort out. And the hope is that this team stays above 500 for as long as possible, maybe gets it together in mid to late January, goes on a run, finishes in the top six or seven in the ACC, and, and maybe that's enough to make it in the bubble. But that's where it is right now. It all can change in a week or two, but I'm having a hard time seeing how it's going to change that quickly. Yeah, they can't score right now either, Tom. Third consecutive game where they failed to break 65 points, so they don't score, and uh, they, they don't stop blow-bys. Uh, off the bounce. Malik Osborne led FSU with 15 points. It's a shame that that shot didn't fall at the end because I thought he played well. Uh, Caleb Mills, double figures again, 13 points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals, block shot in 32 minutes. Anthony Polite um, is starting to get a little bit better. Did go six of six from the free throw line. Still has to find his confidence, I think, though. Uh, also didn't turn it over, so that was nice. John Butler added eight points. Raekwon Evans finished with four points. Jalen Worley had eight points, three of five, one of one from beyond the three. Um, we'll see if he continues to emerge. Right now, Matthew Cleveland's got to be better. Uh, but, yeah, man, this is – listen, Wyatt Wilkes gave you nothing uh, during his time on the court. He went scoreless for the third straight game. Uh, he also had a rebound and a turnover. I, I mean, when I say nothing, I mean nothing, Tom. And so it's uh, it's gotten worse. I mean, I started out by pointing this out to start the season, but yeah, I, I think what this is finally a year in which the roster turnover got you. Oh, it got you. It got you. Listen, if if you hadn't lost so much at the same exact time, in in, in particular, you're big. You know, you, you you had if you could have found a way to get him back, you you would have been all right there. Uh, but what are you gonna do? It, it happens. Right. That that's going to be the deficiency this year. Is is Balsa could have been great for us. Turk for one more year would have been awesome as well. Balsa would have been the big deal for us this but, year. Yeah, given what we're lacking, you could have accounted for Raekwon uh, Gray if if you had Balsa. Balsa is Balsa is the big one. Because that, that, that really defensively, what it could do uh, for yeah. you. I mean, at both ends of the court, he'd play 25, 30 minutes, and you'd feel a lot better about your chances. Because then, when you played small, it would be a change-up lineup, and you could really shock somebody and go on a you know, 12-2 run because you just generate turnovers and you're, and you're playing possession, possession, possession. But that's just not in the cards for this year. Even when Ngom comes back, I don't know. They, they showed a reluctance to play McLeod yesterday, and I don't – I mean, is, Ngom, is Ngom that much better? I don't know. Well, you're uh, going to have to play him, though, because you're going to have to have some size there where at least in the paint you can alter shots. So, I, I mean, you're going to have to play him. But there um, were so many years consecutively where we like, oh, if Obiagu stayed, if uh, Kamangale stayed, if this guy or that guy, just one more year, if he came back, man, this really could have put us over the top. And yet we'd survive it, absorb it, go to the Sweet 16. And I, this just does not feel like one of those years. But you never know. I'm not going to count out this coaching staff, but they even had the look in their eyes on the sideline yesterday sometimes oh, when the camera cut over. Yeah, yep. you see the look Stan gave Leonard? The, the look yep. that Stan gave Leonard was fantastic. I cracked I just, up laughing. Yeah, I just mimicked it for our YouTube audience. Like, yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> that was, it was hilarious. Uh, uh, I mean, 
I, I cracked up laughing about that. Um, that was that was hilarious. But uh, time and again, man, time and again, uh, that just over and over. And they had to realize at that point, like, okay, well, here we go. Uh, Armella had a great visit, and I, I think for Florida State, they won over his mom. I know that Austin Cox, our own Austin Cox here at Warchant, reported that. That was big. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I feel like you're not getting the buzz, Tom, that – you know, a lot of times, if you feel like you're going to lose out on guys you thought that you had, right, that you thought for sure were going to be a yes, and then there's momentum for them to leave, for, for them to flip, for them to do something surprising on signing day, that begins to leak out. You hear some of the smoke. Coaches will start to get a sense. Sometimes players will even tell uh, whoever their lead recruiter is that, oh, man, they're not so sure. They're still talking to this other I don't get the feel that that's the case here. You may, you, you know, obviously nobody gets every single person that they think they're going to get or hope that, that they can get. But I think Florida State feels like they're in good position to have a very good class. Like the weekend that was, was fruitful for Florida State. Yeah, I, I think you're talking about fortification or, or yeah, locking yeah. players down. Yeah, that, they did their jobs there. You know, you'd like to win a couple of 50-50s again. If the NIL program could get a little bit stronger over the next 48 hours, I say, go ahead. Let, let's let's make some offers that people can't refuse. But you're talking about a team that before the season started, this coaching staff was communicating to players that they're shooting for six and six. And that doesn't sound like it's great because what recruit is going to say, oh, well, good, I'll stick around. They go five and seven. They don't hit the mark. And yet they're going to retain most of these players. I mean, if they finish the job and we can we can get into the garage – Garage door closes, you're in the home, you lock it up, you're all safe Wednesday night, and you have a top 12 to top 15 class with Travis Hunter leading the way, uh, then you've got yourself a successful year and a year that opens eyes in the Southeast. To me, this year, I did not expect this coaching staff, comprised as it is of a lack of people who have real ties to the Southeast. They've got a couple of, of, of coaches on the staff that do, but you don't have a ton of them. If they're able to pull off this and finish the job, I would go back to feeling the way I did about six, seven months ago, which is how the hell did they do that? Right. That, that's where I hope we, we are this time on Wednesday. It's going to happen soon, man. It's not that far off. And uh, we'll talk more about uh, the incoming information as Michael Langston and others reported on warchant.com. You can read it, but we'll certainly update you as the hours go by. Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Football League. Uh, are okay there, Tom? You all right. I got a. I got. I got one that needs to come on home to roost tonight. Yeah. Cam's got to show up tonight. We're going to be all right. Yeah, I'll tell you that uh, it was a good weekend. It was a. I like that. Yes. Listen, I would have preferred that the Bears blew up everything that I was trying to do, and and they won the game outright because then that would have pushed the Bucks to a much better place in the NFC standings. But if they weren't going to, they did need to make it close. So the second quarter last night, I was a little bit concerned, saying, oh, come on. 
this has like three-point loss written all over it. I need you to lose by a little bit more. But what they did was uh, they pushed Green Bay to score a ton of points, which means Aaron Rodgers threw for a lot of yards. I had a prize picks play yesterday that was uh, hinging on Aaron going over 250, which he did easily. And then uh, I had a three-team teaser pleaser with the uh, with Packers minus five and a half. So it was a good weekend, sir. I don't know if you saw the uh, Justin Herbert throw yesterday. Have you have you had a chance to see it? Uh, the Justin Herbert throw? Yes, rolling right, throwing back left, sixty yards down the field on a rope. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's unreal, right? It's uh, you will not. I go back and watch it time and again. Watch it on a loop. Nobody else can make that throw. That is insane. That, I've watched it like four different times and tried to find other angles because I think it may be the best or most strong arm throw I've ever seen in a game. Really? Even more than some of the Mahomes of late or Aaron Rodgers or John Elway back in the day? Yeah, Elway would have been the guy that I would have told you had made similar throws. Uh, I thought John Elway for a long time was the best athlete I'd ever seen. Uh, and complete quarterback. I'm, I, there have been great athletes at quarterback, but not that had the resume. Um, so he's the guy that I would look at some of those throws where I remember thinking, well, who the hell can do that? Very few people. But yeah, I mean, that is, look at the air yards on that throw with a guy hitting him. It's it's dumb. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, where does that come from? It could. It's crazy to watch that. Uh, that said, that's just an aside. I, I think that the, the story of the weekend continues to be this AFC playoff picture, the AFC playoff picture with all the teams that have seven or eight wins, it is nutso. You, it's coming down to the final day of the season, and there are going to be – you know how we have the fun with the tiebreakers where we do the thing? where like, if they, then, then if – yeah, it basically it turns into Lou Holtz. That, start doing that now. There's 15 different scenarios by which all those teams – almost everybody can get in. Yeah, I think um... – I heard it today on, on the uh, NFL Network radio on Sirius mm-hmm. as I was driving to our meeting. I think it's 24 teams. 24 teams have at least six wins this season. I mean, that puts you right around 500. It's a league that builds you to do that, but typically you don't see. The entire AFC North is at 500 or better. The AFC West is 6-7 and seven for the Raiders. Everybody else has at least seven wins. Uh, in the AFC East, three out of four teams have at least six wins in the nfc east three out of four teams in the nfc west worst team is seattle at five and eight the rest of them have at least seven wins it is absurd i'm glad that the buccaneers are at the top of the skyscraper in the terrible nfc south even though they've got two teams that have six wins in that division the bucks have a little bit of breathing room so we can watch all of the uh the peasants kind of fight over the morsels of of lettuce and tomato that are left in in the uh in the square but uh, it's going to be awesome, awesome television for the next month. I mean, every week is so critical, and it starts on Thursday night this week. How about yeah. a really good Thursday night football game between the Chiefs and the Chargers? It's All awesome. Right. Bring I, it on. I'm giddy for that game. But by the way, real quick, Patriots 9-4, and four, Titans 9-4, and four, Kansas City 9-4, and four, Ravens 8-5, and five, and they feel like a mess, Chargers 8-5, and five, Colts 7-6, and six, Bills 7-6, and six, Browns seven and six, Bengals seven and six, Broncos seven and six. Even the Steelers are six six and one. It's crazy. All those teams with six, seven, eight wins still fighting for that spot. Uh, obviously, seven spots with Buffalo being hanging on for dear life at seven and six. They make a great comeback last night against Tampa Bay, but uh, Brady does what he does, and, and the Bucks win that game. And 
Uh, it'll be interesting. The Bills have a couple of really easy games at the end of the year, so we've talked about that as I have that futures bet on the Dolphins to try to sneak in there. Yeah, I think it, I'm just handicapping it out right now. It looks like the AFC North, even though they've got every team at 500 or better, I think there's only one slot in the playoffs going to that division. Because who do you trust, really? Baltimore, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. Like, Do you have a list of two where you say those are playoff teams? No. No, no not way. at all. I still wait on Cincinnati. I they. Well, Baltimore is going to lose every tiebreaker because uh, they're one and three in the division. So if, if somebody reaches them and there's a two-team tie at the top of the north, it's going to go to the other group in that in that division. And if you're looking for eliminators, you have to start looking at schedules very very carefully here. Cincinnati at seven and six, Denver is at seven and six. They play each other in week fifteen. So you're starting to find try to find those matchups where, in essence, we as fans, and I only bring this up as a fan, we get to watch playoff games before the playoff. You're going to have a scenario where the last two weeks of the season, there are going to be four or five games a week where somebody's straight up getting eliminated uh, from the playoffs in a game that day. Yeah, well, I mean, tonight, the Rams, if they win tonight, they're basically in the playoffs. If I'm a Rams fan, not now. They're, they've got an eye towards the division, but that game is so critical between Arizona and the Rams for a lot of reasons, especially if you're atop a different division like the Bucks are, or if you're a Packers fan, you're watching this game very closely saying, come on, Rams, finish the job here. But if you win tonight, you're in the driver's seat in the wild card, you're basically in the playoffs, and you've got a crack at the NFC West. But if you lose and you go to 8-5, and five, the 49ers are looming. And yeah. listen, they tried to give that game away to Cincinnati yesterday, but the 49ers are a dangerous football team at this point in the season. You don't want to face down George Kittle and a good version of Jimmy G with that defense. It, yes, I mean, the plot is only going to thicken over the I'm next few work. weeks. Well, let's all get behind Uncle Jeff here tonight. Uh, I had the two-team six-point teaser hit yesterday with the Titans minus two-and-a-half and the Packers minus five-and-a-half. You and I both, I think, hit that teaser uh, yep. or some facsimile of, right? Uh, I have the Titans and Seahawks that have already – punch their part of the ticket. I just need the Rams tonight at plus eight and a half. You don't have to win. Don't have to win, Rams. Just keep that. Although if you want to, that'd be good. But yeah. just keep that sucker with eight and a half. And we're rolling on bigger with a three-team six-point teaser, please. I'll tell you. Okay, so I'm looking quickly. I know the music will start here in a second. But you've got a big game on Thursday that we mentioned. On Saturday, the NFL is back on Saturday. You're yes, double Raiders-Browns, that's an elimination game for the playoffs. There's no doubt. Then your 8-15 is Patriots-Colts in Indianapolis. Let's get it on. Bring it on. Saturday night is going to be fun, fun, fun. I cannot wait. Yeah, we're getting lucky this year. This is good stuff. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with me.